Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two of the Spitballers podcast. Again, joined by Mr. Jack Campbell on this side, should I say? Yeah, yeah. Say hello. I'm over here. Hello, yeah. yes, yes. Hello, everybody. Um, sorry for, I guess, the delay in us getting another podcast out. There's been a few things happening in the background. Smithy has moved, so well done on that yeah. one. Well, not permanently moved yet, but moving oh, in the process. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, with without without him around and with me doing some other things, we've just been a bit busy. But we're here to round up the first kind of four weeks of the Prem now. It's international break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first game, first game week, first game was City Burnley, which we both did predictions for. I think I won that yeah. battle out of us too. Exactly. I think so, I said three-one. Yeah. Ended up three-nil, which was no surprise, I guess, from Sitter on that game. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I think with that one, I had a little bit more hope in Burnley. I think I had a little bit more hope in Burnley full on throughout the rest of the game weeks as we go into them as well. But um, yeah, not doing too great at the minute, company. Not not really. No, he's not having a good time. I mean, especially Burnley being at home and they're in the Premier League. I thought company getting them into the pre-season training much earlier than the rest of the Premier League. I thought they would have been right up there, but City just proving to be the dominant force that they've carried on to be. Every other game week as well. Any other big games coming to mind in game week one? Um, not necessarily game week one as such. I don't think there was many. There's many I mean, we had, yeah, we had Brighton 4-1 against Luton, which I believe Brighton, to be fair, have had an unbelievable start to the season. I think everyone deserves doing wonders with them at the minute, especially losing... McAllister and Caicedo, which was a pivotal part yes. of his midfield. I think that was the the big thing, wasn't it? They were um, under scrutiny. Was was Brighton going to be the same Brighton we saw that Graham Potter started building last year? Was it? Yeah. You know how big and vital and important were these players such as Caicedo and McAllister going to be? And I think so far, if you're a Brighton fan, you could be happy that you've done really good business. I'd say clubs probably overpaid for your players in Caicedo, maybe not McAllister. Um, and in the end, it's worked out for the better of you. So, yeah, Brighton in a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just certain individual players coming into their own now, I think. Uh, obviously, we had Matoma last season, uh, started getting the spotlight quite a bit in that Brighton side. And I think now he's got a full platform to go full steam ahead this season without any issues. And the likes of uh, Evan Ferguson as well, young striker coming up, doing absolute bits, which we'll get onto in a few weeks, uh, the mm-hmm. match weeks. But yeah, they're looking very strong at the minute. Um, not looking forward to playing them at the <laughs> current period of time. Yeah. Um, next big score was probably Newcastle Villa five-one, which yep. was surprising to me. Don't yeah, know about a bit yourself. of a bit of a shock one. I mean, obviously Villa did a lot of business in the transfer window that we touched upon in the previous episode, which is a good point to kind of take from now. If you are just joining us, this is the first time you've watched the Spitballs podcast. I do recommend you go back an episode and take a look at our first one. That was when we really broke down start of the season, the transfers that had been made up until that point. Obviously, there were a few transfers that happened following our podcast, which we'll pick up and talk about in this episode, but um, that'll get you a bit of an idea about where we thought the clubs were going to do. We also did a bit of a rank rating on um, uh, up-and-coming players, shock uh, teams that we think will shock us, teams that we think will just do the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go and check out that one. But, uh, yeah, on the topic of Villa, obviously, we discussed that first episode, a lot of transfers, a lot of big signings. I think, I think for them, it, you can kind of let them go in the first kind of game week with that one because it's a bit, you know, it's a new team, isn't it? You know, people are getting used to playing with each other. A lot of changes in the yeah. squad following from last season's success. So, 
you know, you've got to give them time. I think even though they have picked it up and, you know, turned it around since then in the following game weeks, I still think, you know, Villa need at least half a season before we see how good that team really is. Yeah, absolutely. No discredit to Newcastle as well. Uh, obviously, they're coming off a major high from last season. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Newcastle away for your first Premier League game is probably not one of the favourite games to have. Yeah, but not easy I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure Villa will bounce back. I mean, we've seen them already pick up two wins. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where they go, obviously. Getting into the transfers later on that we missed out. Uh, now we've had a deadline day. So, we'll jump into them a little bit later as well. Other game weeks, I mean, we had the Chelsea-Liverpool game, which finished yeah. one not all, I believe. Which is no shock. I mean, look at the history of that fixture. How many yeah. times have those two teams drawn with each other? I think you were a betting man. I draw us quite safe, really, for that fixture. Yeah, during the game, I was surprised. It seemed like Chelsea were just so open to the counter-attack in that game. Even though they had a lot... They looked like it was in control of the game for most of it. But you can't really be that lacklustre in defence, especially when you're coming up against the likes of Salah and Diaz and people like yeah. that. And then Tottenham drew to Brentford, which I thought was a I thought was a big surprise, especially with Brentford losing Tony. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think Mbwemo's just stepped into that role. Um, I, I know there's probably a lot of fantasy Premier League people um, who watch this. And I think a big tip was to put Mbwemo in your team yeah, now with Tony uh, out. Yeah, he's been racking the points up, hasn't he? Um, yeah, he's been a, he's been a good player. I think that one, that one is a bit more of a shock. Now we think of where Tottenham are now and how well they performed following on from that Brentford game. But yeah, I think the the underlying statement from everything here is game week one. It's difficult to really call anything in game week one. Um, I think new teams, new players, new systems, some cases new management. Yeah, you've got to at least at least until we're into kind of following on from the international break. I think that's when we'll see whether these teams are really about it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last probably memorable game was obviously United Wolves where there was a lot of controversy especially yeah. with Onana's Superman punch in the dying <laughs> minutes of the game yeah yeah I've listened to the VAR clips on that one it's quite funny how the VAR ref literally says the words it's clumsy um uh, and then his following words from that are no no pen so yeah yeah I think after looking at it, uh, watching the video Howard Webb said that it should have been given a penalty Mm-hmm. Um, I think the VAR assistants were saying something like it was a collision, mm-hmm. which I believe if it's a collision by two players inside the box, it's not classed as a foul. But no, because no, Onana no, it's went like coming together, yeah. But because yeah. Onana flew into their player and he didn't go back into him, it, it it should have been a penalty, which it wasn't. I mean, I do feel for Wolves. I mean, they did absolutely batter us that game. I feel like yeah. they did deserve at least a point from it, if not maybe more, because. Well, we've not really had the best start to the season, which I was hoping for. Yeah. So I think I think from a Manu fan perspective, you know, you you, I think before the season starts, many kind of betting men and pundits would have had Wolves as probably the favourites to be relegated, especially with all their financial turmoil that's going on. Yeah. With what we spoke about in the previous episode, with their lack of pre-season fixtures, their best players are being touted away from the club. It they invest their investment you know, and their owners aren't making any transfer moves to bring anybody new in. It's just a lot of players out, no one in. So I think for them, they probably would have been disappointed. I mean, they would have been disappointed to come away from that game without a point yeah. at least because they, they definitely were the better team. Yeah, absolutely. And then we might as well just jump into United game week two because that was the 2-0 defeat to Tottenham. 
Yeah. And I'm not just saying this about United games because I've seen a lot of games in the first four game weeks. Um, the officiating has been very subpar in my point of view. I think a lot of people are speaking about it online as well. Mm-hmm. There's no clear line between decisions. People, certain referees are giving fouls or handballs, whatever it may be for one thing and it can happen again in the next game and it's not. Yeah, And we did see that in the Tottenham game where it struck, I think it was Romero's hand in the box. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong on the player, but... I think I think hand, right there, yeah. yeah, hand away from the body. It, it's not given a handball, but one previous in the game week before, I think, was given. No, just, yeah. uh, again, I don't think we did deserve anything from that game, but it's just a no. shame to see one ruling could have changed that game completely. Well, that, that kind of leads us on to talking a little bit about kind of some of the stuff from week one podcast when we were talking about Tottenham's, uh, you know, potential moves and moves about maybe Mad- the Madison one. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that guy has definitely earned his, his call up um, to the England squad. You know, he's done Absolutely. Uh, incredible for them. I think him and Basuma are minus you, you likes of City and maybe Arsenal and Liverpool. They're probably the best midfield for me in the Premier at the minute. Um just because of the, the way that they kind of work with each other. Madison's obviously a creator. He wants to drive. He wants to to get in the goal and score an opportunity. Then you've got Basuma, who's a box-to-box midfielder. And I think another name that's possibly being forgotten just because he doesn't contribute to goals as much, but definitely as a workhorse, is Saar. That's Saar yeah. in the midfield as well for Spurs. Like He might not be on the end of the balls and scoring the goals and creating the assists, but he's he's definitely that plug in between those two that's, that's yeah massively making the difference for Spurs. So, yeah, they're um, a force to be reckoned with and, and still stand unbeaten. Yeah, it seems like they've got a solid a solid midfield core, whereas mm. it seems like other teams are lacking that. But I'm a very, very big fan of that. Is Basuma? Is Basuma? Uh, Yves Basuma, yeah. Yves Basuma, James Madison, Saar. Yeah, yeah, a big fan of him. Um, he just, it's like you said, he, he doesn't get bullied easily. Reminds me, strength-wise, of someone like Yaya Toure. Mm, yeah. As in a sense, he's just, he's big, he's long, but it's just, it's just hard to take the ball off him. <laughs> it's just hard to get the ball off him. I thought it's... he was starting to chant that he's big, he's long. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we've got any Basuma chant coming through from, uh, from Jordan. I know, tell us about it. <laughs> Creating chance. We obviously had Brighton 4-1 Wolves. Again, Brighton continuing that form into game I, week I think two. that game for me showed even more how poor we were because Brighton showed exactly how you dis- dissect Wolves. They showed yeah. exactly how you play Wolves and how you stop that press with the middle. And don't be wrong, Brighton are a good team, but they're not supposed to be where we are as Manchester United. We're supposed to be ahead of them. And I know they're in honeymoon period at the minute and living, you know, their best life at the minute as, as a club. But if, if Brighton can beat them 4-1 and dismantle them like they did in that game, we, we absolutely can do with the calibre of players we've got. And it just proves how poor we were in that first game week. Yeah, When I say we, by the way, to any new listeners, we're both Man United fans. So, yeah, so that, that makes it, sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a weird one. Like you said, um, they might be having a honeymoon period, but I genuinely think Deserbe, the way his the way his tactical mind works, he's just got them playing on a step ahead of what Potter would have mm-hmm. got them to. I feel like he's just that next step up, and I think it's just it's not just that. I feel like the scouting at Brighton as well, whatever they're doing with their scouts, whoever they've got, it's just it's it's working. Mm-hmm. The players mm-hmm. they're bringing in, everything's just meshing well. I think it, I think he. Um... He uses a similar tactic approach to, and I cannot get his name right, but is it Postacoglu? Is that right? Postacoglu, yeah. Yeah, which is, we'll score more than you. That That's that's their kind of way of yeah. playing. It's like full 100% attack, 
the aim of the game is we don't necessarily, it's not about how many we can see, but as long as we score more than you, then that's all we're playing for. You know, you look at the Spurs yeah. victories and the Brighton games at the minute, big, big numbers, big score, you know, lots of goals. And that, that strategy can work sometimes, especially, you know, if you've got a core defence and, and you can hold on and, and keep the odd one out here and there and you've got a decent keeper behind you. Nothing to say that if you score more than them, then obviously that's the way to win football. So I think it's a very similar approach from De Serbi, uh, but it's obviously working whatever it is. Yeah, so it's, I mean, like I said, it's literally the aim of football. Score more than your opponent, you win the games, you get the points. It's There's a lot more, obviously, tactical mm-hmm. behind it. But, yeah, we'll see where they go. Obviously, we're only four weeks into the league. Anything can happen at this point. It's, it's not like anything's Look, dead in the water. Plus, Brighton have a challenge this year they've not had for, well, I don't know if ever, but for a very long time, is, is competing in European football. So, yeah. you know, they have to... They have to understand it's the same with Aston Villa as well. Obviously, haven't been in Europe for many years. From fans of Manchester United who have been in Europe before, we know what it's like to have your, your squad stretched when you've got to go halfway across Europe for an eight o'clock game, and then two days later you're back in England in training, ready for a prem fixture against Arsenal at Emirates. It's yeah. it's challenging. It's not, you know, it's it, players will obviously have a a hype. This is something that they've been playing for, and they finally got the chance to prove themselves in Europe, but. It comes down to how much you know physical fitness you've got and energy. It's not it's not easy to do, and especially like you know the likes of Villa in the Conference League. As much as the teams they're playing against won't be so good, some of the distance they're travelling is a lot further than Champions League clubs and yeah, you know absolutely. league. So you know there's a there's a lot of travel involved, and it might put a test on these players. And we'll see what you know what teams they put out in the Prem games midweek when the Europa League does start and stuff. Yeah, it's always the question to be said. Like you said, it's just, it's a new it's a new environment for Brighton. They're not mm. gonna know how to approach it until they're actually in it. Mm-hmm. It's as long as you. I think the biggest thing is injuries. Don't get me wrong. I know the travel takes it a lot out of players. Like you said, you come back on a Thursday or whatever, you're in training the next day, and you you might even have a Saturday game fixture. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot, but we can see what it, we see how Brighton reacts and Villa obviously when when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Next big one, speaking of Villa, 4-0 to Everton that week. Yeah, they were a struggling team, Everton, at the minute, I have to say. I think yeah. Uh, yeah, they might be going down, finally. Yeah, it might be yeah, it might be the time they actually do go down. I mean, I just I mean they've signed we'll we'll get into the mm-hmm. uh, some final transfers later on, but is it Beto? Is it yeah, Beto, name? their new striker, yeah. Who actually I it's, thought was quite decent, but he looks decent, but again, I mean, is he the person to turn Everton around and bring them what they've been But missing. this is the argument I was having with a couple of people around the Rasmus Hoyland deal. Because a lot of people, obviously, since I never touched on United, and we'll, we'll go back to Everton in a second, but it, it's a, there's a link. A lot of people said, obviously, Hoyland is a fantastic, like, you know, up-and-coming striker. He's got the ability. It's great to bring him off the bench. But it's all good having these strikers like Beto, like Hoyland. But unless the the actual supply is there, it doesn't matter who these finishers are. Yeah. You, drop, you drop Haaland in an Everton team with no supply, he doesn't score 56 goals a season. Just doesn't no. happen like that. So it's all great having a finisher, and yeah, okay, you you decrease the you know the one in two, you'll score every one in two attempts, or you score one in every three attempts. You're still going to get those three attempts, and if he doesn't get those three attempts, the numbers don't matter. So I think Better is a good signing, and yeah, he's a physical player. It's just can Everton can Everton get in the ball? Can can they can they create and and have that player be able to do something for them? Same as us with Hoyland. Yeah, that's the question. But I mean, obviously, we know with Hoyland, we've got. You know, who created the most yeah. big chances last season? In the, I mean, he's done it for the past however many seasons now. Yeah. It's just that we literally have had no one on the getting on the end of him, unfortunately. But now we do, and I hope the kid does come in and 
prove that I was wrong because there's a lot of slander against them as well, especially with the price tag. It's not a yeah. it's not a light move for someone that age. So again, we'll see what it gets into. Yeah. No, but um, going back to that, what you said, yeah, no, big yeah. win, big win for uh, Villa. You know, continuing on, bounce back from from a you know big defeat in Newcastle. Yeah. Going against an Everton that you, you'd expect Villa to win, but you know they start to go out there and to keep a clean sheet get four goals, you know, we got goals from DRB as well, didn't we, in that game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, I don't think he scored in that game. Did he not score? No. I can check for you very quickly. Yeah, I don't believe sure he did score, but he, he is score, one of them yeah, who is, yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely he, on the map for him. Yeah, he's picking it, he's picking it up, yeah. Um, um, no, of, he didn't bit score. Of a, bit of a weird one, just want to touch upon while we're here, we're talking about Villa. I was a little bit shocked to see Nketiah call up over Watkins. That, that was, um, a bit of a bit of a weird one for me. I don't know if you'd feel the same. You yeah, want, I mean, Ketia deserves a call up over Watkins after the end of this last season. And I know he's been playing there for, for Jesus, but I thought Watkins offered more. It, it depends, doesn't it, what Southgate's thinking? Mm. I mean, oh, well, actually, it depends with... which one of them's friends with him on Facebook as well. To be honest yeah, with which one's his best friend? What's <laughs> Watkins doesn't got him as a friend, and uh, he's probably not got a chance, really, has he? <laughs> no, it's it, yeah, the, the England one's a weird one. It's there's a lot of players who should have been picked over the years who haven't because Southgate does unfortunately have, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have because it's his trusted players. He knows they will go out there and perform, but then it's also not fair giving people who are performing week in, week out just because you haven't used them before. Give them the yeah. opportunity. I mean, tomorrow I mean, is the biggest shout for me over the past couple of years. Yeah. How he's not been injured, picked. He was since... injured for the Euros. There wasn't, he was, didn't he yeah. have an injury just before. I believe so. He's back now, yeah. But just just so everyone knows, anyway, I mean, you know, nothing against Eddie and Ketty. I, I don't think he doesn't deserve an opportunity. I just think if I had to pick between the two of them, I felt Watkins had offered more for a, you know a, a Villa side that isn't of the caliber of Arsenal, hasn't got the same supply that Odegaard can offer and Saka can offer. I thought he did. I thought he did quite well in a team that probably wasn't as big as Arsenal. But I guess, yeah, I guess the decision's been made. So there you go. I mean, next, we've got a few big games in week two, to be fair. We obviously had the City-Newcastle, which finished 1-0. Um, Newcastle didn't really look like a threat at all against mm. City in that game. I think City just completely dominated, looked comfortable, even though it was was only 1-0. Yeah, I don't just you think it's crazy Newcastle. that we live in yeah, a time well, where 1-0 against City is, 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 is quite good, actually. <laughs> it's actually... It's actually yeah, not it's, a bad result. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those ones. It's, a it, it's one of them where you can say, "Yeah, we got beat one 0 But then, if you actually rewatch the game, you'll see just how dominant City's display yeah. was in that. Um, cameras going out of focus, which oh, is always oh. brilliant. Oh, oh. <laughs> but then we had the Liverpool Bournemouth, which was three one. I believe McAllister got the red card in that, which was again yeah, another that was big. The... Yeah. A big vocal point on the referee side, which I don't well, believe it was a red card. Seen it? it, it got overturned the length of the yeah. band, didn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that that what we have seen, and um, I'd love to hear other people kind of comment on whether or not you agree, is that refs are are taking no shit this year. Um, yeah, they are booking for ta- any form of time wasting. If you even give it a one chance at having a you know go back at the ref, they'll book you. I think there is definitely a point to be proven from the refs this year, but you know. Saying all of this, they, uh, you know, the refs have been saying, and it's been made public knowledge that apparently prior to the start of the season, the refing community got together with all of the kind of uh, players and told them that this was going to be the case. So these players yeah. can't, you know, act shocked. Um, I guess it's just a bit hard for them to get used to. But yeah, I think that McAllister one was definitely a bit of a point prover. Ended up backfiring, obviously, when they overturned it anyway. So there you go. 
Yeah, I mean, he still went on to win the game three yeah. one. <laughs> I think it did with quite a few points. people. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, Diaz getting on the score sheet. I think he's had an excellent start to the season. I feel like yeah. he, at the moment, he looks like Liverpool's most dangerous attacker over Salah. Um, it's just something about him. He's just coming into his own at the minute. So I hope, well, I don't hope actually that he gets into <laughs> his own, but it's always nice to see a player who's been slandered for his transfer and then turn it around in a way. Yeah, even if injury, um, injury messed that guy about, didn't it? I think. I yeah. think what we're seeing now from Diaz is exactly what we would have seen last season if he was fit. I don't, I don't think he'd have been any different. I think he's a quality player. We yeah. were linked with him. Obviously, you know, we we were linked with him for a little bit, but I mean, we're linked with players who aren't even born yet, so I wouldn't worry about those transfer markets. <laughs> we're still linked with uh, Schneider, aren't we? we probably are, yeah. Schneider's, <laughs> Schneider's um, son's son, son, who's not born yet as well. He's, he's coming to United for 150 mil. Um, but, you know, it's it's um, he's, a, he's a quality player, you touched upon it. Yeah. I think, you know, there's been a few rumours recently around Salah on his way, but then that never ended up happening. And I think 150 I think, million. Yeah. I think Liverpool are ridiculous. Well, I think if he did go, I think you just, I honestly think you see Briot and Diaz just take that position and run with it. I know he plays on the opposite wing, but I think he just takes, I think he fills in that gap that's left. I really do. I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the this is the other big thing, talking about big players leaving clubs. A lot of Spurs fans, some of the Spurs fans I know, are actually happy Kane's left and think of it as a positive. And it was the same when we had Ronaldo. Yeah, he got us the goals every now and then and he did the bits he did, but you know, Sometimes having too big of a player can put the pressure on everybody else to have to feel like they have to feed him and that's the only person on the on the, on the team that can score for them. A lot of yeah. Spurs fans have thought it's been better with Kane gone and allowed other players to create more. And, well, that's open to discussion. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be that discussion, isn't it? I mean, if you would have told me, Ronaldo was obviously back when we first sold him to Madrid that he was leaving, would I be happy about it? Absolutely not. No, no. He's the person who, obviously growing up watching United, likes of him and Rooney, you kind of idolise. Every club has their own players like that, but Ronaldo was the one for me who, just watching him, you enjoyed watching football. Mm. Even if you lost, there's always something that he'd do in that game that just made you remember it. Mm. Yeah. But I know, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's uh, it's a weird one, but I mean, 150 million for a 31-year-old, you're turning that down. When you've got Nunes who can play on the left wing. So even if you did, like you said, put Diaz on the right, Put Nunes on the left, and then you've either got. Gakpo well, they've still, still got Jota, haven't they? That's what I'm saying. So you can have yeah, Gakpo yeah. Jota filling in that. See, I, I think spot. he would be missed, but I don't think he'd be as missed as people as, as people think. I, I, I think you know he's a big player, he's a key part for Liverpool. But you've also got to take a look at players like Salah and go, are they? Is there anything else really that they haven't done and that they can offer that they don't? You know, what I mean, like he's coming towards the end of his career. Is it is it awful if if Liverpool were to receive? A shitload of money for a player that's 31 years old. That's that's my point. Of his career. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it is. I mean, I'm a Man United fan, so I mean, I'd love to see him go. So that's probably where my bias has come from. But anyone who's a Liverpool fan that's watching or listening in, first of all, don't. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You're all the welcome. But no, but put a comment down below. Let us know what you what you'd think if if Salah was to leave Liverpool. Would you be bothered? Would it would it you know Would it make you happy? Would you? You know, just let us know what your, your opinion is and we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at the answers next week. Yeah, like I said, I think the big thing for me is the fact he's coming towards the 31, 32-year-old mark now. He's, he's won Champions League and the Premier League for Liverpool, but you're getting £150 million mm-hmm. for that player. Yeah. That can be reinvested. Don't remember, like, Liverpool seem to be going 
like another scouting team who pick up players on the cheap and they turn them into superstars. Yeah. So what 150 million? It's, it's a no-brainer from my point of view, but whether Liverpool fans but, think differently. From my perspective that's... as well, and this is a crazy one, you've got Roberto Firmino who recently left. So mm-hmm. a striker position was made vacant. Obviously, you've got Cody Gakpo who, who's kind of playing in and around that position. And then obviously Nunes who's kind of coming back and doing much better. Uh, my eyes, right, there's a player that has been rumoured to have been linked with a potential move to Liverpool, but he's been linked with everybody and, and he goes by the name of Kylian Mbappe, right? So whether there's not this truth behind any of that, I just think if you get 150 million for Salah and then you've got Mbappe who's still unsure of his contract and apparently he's pre-agreed things with Real Madrid, but we don't know. Yeah. I think from a Liverpool perspective, why not go Why not go for that? You've got 150 million for Salah. Why, why, not, why not even tease the idea of potentially going for that and, and getting a player like Mbappe at the club? It wouldn't surprise me if it was to do with the wages because I know yeah, Klopp be. was a big fan of keeping that wage gap low yeah. and sticking to an actual structure. And like most teams now, they're just flinging hundreds of thousands of players for nothing. But yeah. it's a weird one. I mean, obviously only time will tell. I think they wanted to go back in with a bid, but the investors in that group said no, it's not worth it. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, have gone with, I would have gone for it. I mean, we're recording that. I mean, is it the end of this week? The Saudi League shuts Tonight. the transfer window? No, is it today, is it? I think they had like an hour left, however long ago. I don't yeah. think it was that no, far. It might be shut then. Yeah, I think it's done. Um, yeah, moving on to the next biggest one, which was a shock for, I'm guessing, a lot of people. West Ham's 3-1 win over Chelsea. Um, I mean, I, is it a shock anymore that Chelsea lose? Hmm. I think it was more the shock. <laughs> of, uh, let me get the stats up real quick because watching the I game... I actually watched that game, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah watching was the game, game, I was just like, how? I don't understand how that happened. They had 76%. I know possession doesn't win games. We've obviously all seen this and heard this before. 76% possession for Chelsea. Don't, get, don't forget the arrow away. 17 yep, shots, yep. but they only had four shots on target. Out of them, 17. And I think mm-hmm. West Ham just played against them how... I think they've shown people how to play against Chelsea. As Liverpool uh, yeah. did the week prior. I think it's becoming push. more and more often as well that um, the Olympic Stadium's proven to be even more of a hard ground to play out as well. I don't think yeah. it's easy to go to West Ham anymore and, um, you know, get get that, that kind of big win. Um, I think there's some good players who are still... Who have played well previous seasons, but still continue to do well. Uh, for me, Antonio is just a, it's just a monster up top. His ability yeah. to hold the ball up. Lucas Paqueta, obviously rumored with the move away to City, wasn't it? I think at one point yeah. it never happened. So some you know, gambling issues or something if went on. City are knocking on the door. You, you've got a player there, haven't you? Let's be honest. Yeah, he's a good player. So you've got him as well. Um, he's playing playing well. Um, obviously, you know. Danny Dyer's partner, Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen uh, yeah. So you've got Jared Bowen as well. He's, he's he's been playing quality. And I think, you know, we talk about honeymoon periods. We talk about bouncing off the back of a good season. They're champions, you know. They're coming off, off the back yep. of being champions. It might be, you know, the Europa Conference League, but it's still it's still a trophy. And they just lost Declan Rice. And so, yep. you know, it's them to continue doing as well as they are. This is another argument you can have. Declan Rice's quality, but does he become a player that demands the ball of everybody and everybody thinks it's got to go through him. So therefore there's not much creation for everyone else. Declan Rice leaves. Look where West Ham are now. Moses Caicedo leaves Brighton. Look where they are now. Spurs, yeah. Kate leaves Spurs. Look where they are now. So it's, you know, it's open for conversation. It's definitely one that you, you could, you could argue with for, forever. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like it was a, a big shock. Obviously we've, we've seen how much Chelsea has spent and Chelsea fans keep going on about injuries, but 
there was no injuries in that game to so their starting eleven. There's no reason they shouldn't have had. I, I mean, to have them stats, and I, I think again comes down to Jackson not quite yeah. having the kickoff. I mean, he, he does look good when he's on the ball, but if you're playing striker for Chelsea, you need to start scoring. That was the yeah. issue last season, and it's the issue again so far this season. They're just not finishing. For me, there's a player that plays for that team that I don't know if you could argue has been given the chance yet, but he's been there for a few months, and I think he's a big problem as well. I mean, you've seen now he's been dropped out of the, the, the squad recently, but Michaela Mudrick has been yeah. awful for Chelsea. Um, he continues to have mediocre performances. He continues to miss opportunities. I, and I'm allowed to say this because I support a team that has Anthony. So I'm allowed <laughs> to, to comment on, on awful wingers. I give given the right by having Anthony in my team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's been recently dropped, I think, left from the squad, hasn't he? In the last he, was, he was on the bench against West Ham and stuff. Yeah, yeah. he's not uh, he's yeah. not in favour at the minute. Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, he's, he's not proven to be worth anything at the minute. No. It's a shame. Um, I do believe this might... Obviously, obviously, we we will never know. But if I do think if he did end up going to Arsenal where he wanted to go, I feel like Arteta could have done wonders with him. But then you've got the conversation of him and Martinelli, who play on the same side, and Martinelli at the minute is just well, the, the the kids flying. Hopefully, we get to game week four because he taught us how to play. Yeah, yeah, we can have a bit of a debate on that because I don't know Arteta. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, game week three, Chelsea three 0 against Luton. Sterling scored two. Jackson finally getting. Um, on a score sheet for him as well. Expected, nothing big there. It wasn't anything surprising. I feel like Luton is going to go straight back down, to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, Luton is um, Luton's a difficult one. They only just recently played their first home game, didn't they? I think in, yeah. in game week four, yeah, because obviously the stadium was getting done. Um, there's a few players that I want to see do well in Luton. Obviously, Tahiti Chong is one of our players that was there. Yeah. You know, um, He was a Man United player, so I want to see him do well. Um and 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 yeah, I mean, do I want Luton to go down? I don't. I'm, I guess there's a part of me that doesn't because I don't really care about you know for, in the nicest way possible. They're not going to affect me as a Man United fan. Yeah. Um. And there's other teams I'd like to see go down, like um, like I'd like to see maybe uh, Everton go down because I think they're rubbish. I think they deserve to go down. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely definitely some different scenarios like that. But yeah, no, I think that was an easy win. Absolutely. And then we've got the two-all draw, Arsenal, Fulham. Another surprising one. I don't really. I mean, I feel like Fulham was very, very lucky in that game to get away with what they got. I feel like Arsenal again just dominated, just couldn't, just couldn't pull it off. I mean, I think they scored two within two minutes, and then Paulinho. Yeah, it was the game Paulinho scored in the equaliser in the last minute. Yeah, Paulinho. He's another one that's worth talking about. His his yeah. career was almost different, isn't it? Um, one minute he's so, on his way to Bayern. Then it's a it big didn't club. Because, yeah. Was it because I thought I think, it was because the Gravenberch deal wasn't happening, but then it. No, I think Fulham was, was looking at Fulham was looking at replacements with, for with Scott. Was it was, was either McTominay, was either McTominay or Heiberg, and I think some of yeah. them fell through, and they couldn't actually allow Pauline allow that leave. transfer to go yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think I, mean, I think he's a quality player. I think he's yeah. really good. Yeah, I, he will be gutted because don't get me wrong, like Bayern Munich. If your team, it's one of them teams. It's a giant. They come in for you. You're not saying no, really, unless another monstrous team comes in for you. Yeah, I'm gutted for him, but he's a very good player. Let's hope. Mm. Obviously, I don't think he played last week. 
obviously because of all the transfer situation. I don't think he was in the squad. Yeah, I think I think he was. I think they were they were setting up for him not to be part of the team no more. They yeah, were readying themselves for that, and then obviously he stayed. So I think when he comes back, there he's, he's a quality midfielder, really really good. I yeah, mean, um, I think he's got a lot of talent. So yeah, and then obviously United played Forest. This was a game where I was a few minutes late to the match. Mm-hmm. Turned on the game and we was already 2-0 down within four minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, that was an interesting picture. It, it was. I mean, after the... I'd say after about the 20-25 minute mark, we looked like we was in complete control of the game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Ericsson scored, I think it was before the 20th minute. But after that first goal, it seemed like we was playing how we should have been playing all along. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the second half, the first 10 minutes we scored again. And then we was just we, was, we just felt like we was cruising the whole game. We never really... We should we should have battered them. Yeah. I mean, we did batter them, but we should, it shouldn't have been the scoreline what it was. I think that game was another bit of proof around us looking like we lack an ID. And like a, who we want to be at the minute, um, I think yeah, we had an okay season last season from a United perspective. We we won silverware for the first time in God knows how many years. We, I think we were in a good, a better position, and we looked like we we're going to come into the season and do something. And then all of a sudden, we just looked like we forgot who we were, we forgot who we were playing for, we forgot the idea that we had, the ideas. I think the Mason Mount transfer maybe didn't help. We tried to change and make the formation fit him rather yeah. than what works for us. So, you know, I think there's a bit of problems there at the start, but it annoys me when you hear that the Tenog doubters already. It's like we're in game, you know, game week four. We haven't had the start maybe that, you know, we'd want to have. We're not City. We're not Liverpool. We're miles away from those teams. Uh, we've got loads still left to do to get back to where we used to be. Um, and we've had some injury problems, you know. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, all you've got to do great. is look at the, season, the start of the season last year. We had an awful start getting battered off Brighton and Brentford. And then you just look at the end of the season. I I would say we had a better season last year than Arsenal did. More to the point. Ooh, I mean, I, I, a debate there. <laughs> well, I'm not. It's I mean, how can they say they had a better season? They finished second. They bottled the league. There was there was at the top of the league for like ninety odd percent of the time, and had a nine point gap or something over City and bottled that. Didn't win any silverware, and got knocked out by Brighton in the Carabao. Or FA, we won a trophy and finished third. So we both got Champions League football. Yep. We just ended with a trophy. It might be the Carabao Cup, but it's still a trophy. So yep. I mean, I, I don't really get it. I don't understand how Arsenal fans can say they had a better season. But if they want to live We're in that very world, much open then let the them. absolutely, yeah, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> uh, what was next? I mean, we had the big game of uh, Liverpool Newcastle. Obviously, yeah. how Newcastle got beat, I have no idea. They went up early uh, with Gordon Trent doing his magic as a right back again. Jesus, that man is um, an impressive right back. Impressive. Oh yeah, he's best best right back in the world, isn't it? God, honestly, I just that was the the same game. If I'm correct, the Van Dyke red card was it? Yeah, yeah Van Dyke red was, card, uh, and then Nunes Stone come one. on. That yeah. was. I mean, the fact that that Van Dijk contests that red card is, is impressive. Um, yeah. That was a blatant. He came across the man, he swiped the legs out and everything. 
and screaming in the background. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> pick up the book, now. Yeah, it's all good. And but yeah, obviously, it's, it's yeah, like you said, Stonewall penalty. And then I think Nunes was a saver in that game. Come on. Yeah. And f- I think he finally showed what he's got potentially in him. Yeah, but he's just not showing that, that consistently. Yeah. No, it definitely annoyed me. I did for just for the sake of why that annoyed me. I just bet with somebody I know at the start of the season that Hoyland would score more goals than Nunes. And trust me to make that bet when Nunes decides he's all of a sudden he's got a pair of boots and decides he wants to start, start banging goals in everywhere. Um, but yeah, well, no, he's not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he scored the last week. I think he's literally scored in that no. game, and that's it. <laughs> we'll no, see how it goes. Yeah, it was, it was it's very good bounce back for Liverpool. I mean, Newcastle just haven't had the start again like they wanted. Yeah. Um, a few honourable mentions. I mean, wait, a big mention, should I say, West Ham beating Brighton 3-1, which I don't think anyone's seen. What is West Ham this season, eh? They are... It's, it's weird. With? Yeah, I mean, that was another game, though, where absolute domination from Brighton, but just didn't finish. Mm-hmm. And West Ham uh, counter-attack was the first goal, I believe. And then Bowen and Ward, uh, Bowen, Ward Prowse and Antonio. Ward Prowse all. has been a quality signing as well. I mean, been, I think it's been a big difference. There's been a lot of midfield, like that cam role's been changed a lot in the Premier this year. A lot of new yeah. transfers in around there. Obviously, Mount Madison, Ward Prowse, like a lot of movement and stuff. And I think when you think about the likes of those players and who might do the best, you don't you don't really think Ward Prowse it's going to have a, that much of an impact. I mean, we know he is quality at set pieces and that's kind of a specialist of his and that's what he comes in for. But really, when he was at Southampton, he, I, I personally didn't feel he, he offered a million things for them. He wasn't like the absolute creator. He wasn't, for me, like an Odegaard or a Bruno or a Madison. No. When he would have his moments of magic. I think in in the, you know, in his new side now, he's, he's, he's definitely offering way more and he's maybe got a point to prove. Yeah, uh, it's that. But I feel like he's got more options in this side as well. Mm-hmm. Than he did at Southampton, so we might see a completely different player in this West Ham. Which I mean, I think we are doing already. We're seeing mm, glimpses yeah. of it. So whether he takes that into the full season is dependently on his shoulders. Uh, Forest beating Chelsea one nil. Uh, that was the week <laughs> after. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go into the week yeah, after. We'll because that's a great point to start. On. Yeah, Alanga Banga one nil. <laughs> hey, Anthony Alanga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Alanga with a goal. I mean, yeah. So. And I don't want to be boring and keep reading stats, but it's another game where Chelsea have had over 70% possession, mm-hmm. 21 shots, and they had two shots on target. Yeah, they, it's, they can't seem to finish that area, can they? It's looking like, and I don't want to say it too early, but it's genuinely looking like a repeat of last season. They just can't, they can't score goals, so they're going to drop points and they're going to lose games, and lower mm-hmm. teams are going to pick up points against them over nothing. I don't know what's going on with them at the minute. I really don't. Um, Do you know what? I was reading on Twitter, somebody was making a, a point about their defensive side as well. And I kind of I kind of got, I saw this and I thought, I kind of agree with that. And I, obviously you're open to anybody else's opinion, but yeah. we're talking about the likes that the Thiago Silva starts every single game for them. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that when they had the likes of John Terry, when John Terry came towards the end of his career, John Terry accepted that he was maybe a little bit older, went more to on the bench position and, and coached the youngsters coming through and who then eventually kind of took over where he played. This person was arguing basically that Thiago Silva maybe needs to start doing that as well. Now he hasn't got the legs like he used to have. Yeah, he's got an amazing football brain and stuff, but you know, you've got a lot of centre backs and you know available for Chelsea to use. A lot of them are young, fast, pacey, energetic, want to prove themselves. Maybe Thiago Silva starting all the time isn't isn't what you know they should be looking for that that might not necessarily be down to him though 
I mean, no. obviously, it's the manager who picks the team at the end of the day. Yeah, and yeah, my, my argument back to that is, he might not have the legs, but that's why they play in a back five. Mm. Chelsea keep going on about how they, how they so they got so many injuries and stuff. You've got Gusto to replace James. Don't get me wrong, I know James is when James is fit and he's on his game, he's probably one of the best right backs in the world. Yeah, but he's not. So you've got to stick with Gusto, who did assist Sterling two goals before the game week before. You've got Disaster, Silva, and then Colwell, and then Chilwell. So mm-hmm. to me, that's not an injured backline. You've got one, which is Reese James, but you've still got Gusto. And then in the middle, you're playing Gallagher and Caicedo. Caicedo, to me, is not, not proving his money. He's not. It's not that great. It's, it's again this price tag we're putting on English players. It's the English tax. It's it's ridiculous. I yeah. don't get me wrong. He was he was. I feel like he was good at Brighton, but I don't. I'm not going to say this in a in a in a downplay to Brighton because obviously they're doing well without him. But I don't think it's hard for a player to look good if if you're on a a very good level of a footballer. It's not hard to be a standout player in that Brighton team. It, it's not. So I feel like Caicedo and McAllister last season just shone because, well, they were the only ones actually really doing it. And then Matoma had his little breakthrough. But then this season, think, yeah, it's, it's I weird. also think he was good at Brighton because there's a real belief at Brighton. And I really don't think there's any belief at Chelsea. I don't think that those players genuinely believe they're part of a club that's going to go on to win things. That's going to, you know, they are in a, a club that is massive that doesn't have European football this season, which is yeah. massive for that club. I don't think the I think you can swap and change as many parts of a business as you want. Yeah. You know, you could change the the receptionist, you can change the backroom staff. You, but if your company's policies and beliefs are still the same, it doesn't matter who comes through the door and your, your company will still do what it did before. And I generally yeah. think the the, the the belief at Chelsea at the minute isn't there. I don't think they step onto that pitch and genuinely believe that they're playing for Chelsea Football Club and that they'll beat any team that comes in front of them. And that and that for me, I think, is why Caicedo hasn't done very well either. I think when you're part of a, it's it, as a player when you're part of an exciting project like Brighton, where you're not the 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 favourites to win every game and you're yeah. a bit of the underdogs and holy shit, we're in Champions League position and you know I think it's like you've got that bit of, a bit of grit yeah. about you, haven't you? But when you're just when you're Chelsea and you're dropping points and you're losing points here and every fan is down your back because unless you're top four then you're doing shit. You know Brighton yeah. could go to Newcastle and lose four 0 last season. And it'd be shit, but it'd not be the end of the world. Or they could lose 2-1 to, like, a forest and people go, oh, well, yeah, we probably should have won that, but we're Brighton, you know, we do we'll bounce, bounce back, back and we'll do yeah. all right. Absolutely. Chelsea, you, you you drop points to any of the teams below the top half of the table from the end of the season, and that's it. You're yeah. under scrutiny. So, you know, it's hard, it's hard, it's not easy. It's the same with United. We have that same problem we get when players join us. It's not the same as playing for the clubs. When you play for one of these big six clubs. No, there's a lot of pressure to, to come on. Yeah, you have to be at your best. And every piece of misplaced pass, missed roll, ball roll, missed touch is scrutinised. You'll see it on social media for days. Look at Mason Mount in pre-season. Before we'd even started the season, Mason Mount was under scrutiny for his miss yeah. that open goal. And, you know, Caicedo probably got away with a lot of misplaced passes and things in Brighton, but he were never picked up as much. We wouldn't see them unless you were watching the game. Yeah, because you're not looking You're not looking at you're that player. You're, you're not, not really seeing the price tag, yeah. the team. It's... yeah. I feel like any top six move now, it's well, it's not, it's, it's the way it's always been. The players are under a microscope. Like you're gonna, yeah, if you if you mess up or do something wrong, you're gonna get slandered for it. Yeah. I feel like Chelsea, it's gonna be a bit thingy say, but I think they need to get Ted Lasso in, mate. Get a bit of belief in there, get a <laughs> bit of last. passion. 
Honestly, this way, might be Big Sam. <laughs> might need Big Sam at this point. We get us any more firmer. I have to call up Big Sam. I mean, over get another Newcastle again. Brighton bouncing back three one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at home at the Evan Ferguson hat trick. My yeah, God, he looks scary. Yeah, he does. He does look scary. He 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 is the next best thing since Robbie Keane, isn't he? In the Irish it, shirt. There's a lot of talk about him. Yeah, yeah. I think. Do you know what it is when when I see players like this coming through though that are doing really really well. And and we'll get on to transfers and Cole Palmer is one that's done this and yeah. I want Evan Ferguson not to. It's go for the money, go for the big player move. It's it's all great in that going for the big clubs and but you want when you when you're a team like Brighton who are overachieving, who are in Champions League positions, are have been in Europe positions and are now in Europe, stay with them and stick it out and, and get all of the playing time that you can do because yeah. what I don't want to happen is you, he goes to a big club and he plays every now and then again. He's worked all that time to get into the start. You know, this this for him is a chance to really prove himself. I think the Cole Palmer move, which we'll talk about in a bit, was the wrong decision as well. I think, yeah. why would you go to a club that's got so many players in it? You're looking for playing time, surely, are you not? But there you go. So, um, I just want to make sure that I hope that he stays level-headed at Brighton, stays out of yeah. trouble. You know, as many United fans, we know that our youngsters aren't looking great when it comes to trouble. So, you yeah. want to stay away from that and keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, and hopefully he'll go on and have a really good career. Yeah, eventually join us more. for about 110 mil. Well, uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, the, I can't remember if it was his agent who said it or someone within the Brighton staff mm. uh, believes he'll be the first 200 million pound player. Interesting. So, to me, I, I, which I think the way the money's going at the minute, if he sticks his head down, like you said, for the next few years, deserve he works his magic on him, he keeps keeps playing the way he is. There's no reason he can't break that. Absolutely, no, no, 100%. Because the market now is getting ridiculous. It's a time where stupid money is being spent, but it's a time that we're living in. It's just the way football is now. We can't be shocked at it because it, it seems like nothing to these teams, the amount of cash they're throwing about. Yeah. We've got Villa, uh, Liverpool, 3-0 to Liverpool, obviously back at Anfield. Tough uh, game for Villa, that one. Yeah. Was... Didn't, didn't really work out for them what they wanted, I don't think. No, it was... A lackluster performance from Villa, I think. But then you could also say it was a great performance by Liverpool. Yeah. It's Liverpool at the minute. I feel like they're still working out the team. Obviously, they lost quite a lot of the players. So that, that midfield, which is the core part of any team, mm-hmm. I feel like once that starts syncing up, I think that's when they'll start to come back on the up Liverpool. So it's still a team to look out for for me, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And then we've got United, Arsenal. Right, moving on to the transfers anyway then. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, Man United, Arsenal, a lot to talk about this. We could be here for ages, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to, but I feel like going towards the end of the game, I was, me and my dad, I was watching it with my uh, mum and dad and stuff, and my dad said, Arsenal always score at the Emirates in the last minute against us. They always have done and they always will do. And what do you know? They go and do it. I feel like it. we looked comfortable in the game, though. I don't mm-hmm. feel like at any point Arsenal was battering us. I mean, Martinelli couldn't really do much against Bissaka. Bissaka was doing what Bissaka does best, one-on-one defending. Best, Probably the best defensive right-back in the world. Dallow, for me, was... I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I thought he had say. a really good game. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say his man in a match. It's hard to cost a defender man in a match when you concede three goals. But yeah. Saka didn't have to see a peep in that game. Dallow, no, no. I don't know I what thought, turned I into in that game, but yeah. Being out of position, 
I think there's a part of him as well that Regulon's just come in on loan. Yeah. Maybe Dallow wants the chance. Maybe Dallow wants a chance to prove that he can fill in Luke Shaw's spot till Christmas. You know, there's the places. Yeah. It's not. It's We're getting to the well. goal. I mean, it's what United, I think it was Tenag or someone come out pre season, is counter attacking focused. And it was the perfect example, that goal. And then you go back to kickoff, everyone's still buzzing about it. 20 seconds down, you go and concede again. Yeah, and yeah, lost, it's lost concentration. It's yeah, it wasn't even that. I seen uh, I watched it again on the highlights, and whilst the build up's happening, you see Erdegaard free at the edge of the box, and you've got Martinez screaming at Ericsson for like five seconds, telling him to pick him up. He doesn't mm. listen to him. He follows the ball, leaves Odegaard in the score. I just, I just feel like it's it's an, it's an unfortunate win uh, loss or well, win for Arsenal loss for United. It's I, I would have been happy with a draw. I feel mm-hmm. like both teams deserve the draw. It's just, again, think, decisions, Garn, actual offsides. People was calling for a Highland penalty. Close that is, isn't it? I think yeah. positives, as a Man United fan, I thought when Hoyland came on, I thought he looked really good. Um, yeah. There are not many players, apart from Haaland, I would take him out of the scenario. There are not many players in the Premier League that can say that they can physically handle Gabriel and Saliba. Yeah, and come out on top, and be stronger, and be more direct to win the ball. I know he's fresh legged, and he come off the bench against you know an Arsenal team, those two defenders who've been playing all ninety yeah. minutes. But he looked like he had a real intent to do something good in the Man United shirt. And as Man United fans, with the players we've recently brought in the transfer market, all we really want to see is somebody fight for the badge, and that's all we really care about. And somebody yeah. be there because they know it's Manchester United and they want to play for Manchester United, not because of the fee or the salary or getting away from a club they didn't want to be at. It's For me, it's about wanting to be the best you can be at United. And I think he came on and I thought he looked absolutely incredible. I think he's rapid. He's strong. He looks insanely fast. He, he does look, <laughs> he does look rapid. Fast. For a guy that's, you know, six foot plus. Um, and it, you know what? It was, it was, and I don't know if anyone else felt this, but you could easily say United's start of the season has been not great. Um, there has yep. been much for us to be excited about. But I can, and and prior to the Hoyland debut, I was saying that this isn't going to be a good season for us and whether or not I'm actually excited to watch or to, to view what we'll do. But seeing that spur of 10 minutes from Hoyland, I can honestly say, made me excited for the next fixture against Brighton. Because if he starts, I'm really intrigued to see what he can do for us in 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's exactly what we've been missing. I mean, we've been dealing with the likes of Martial for the past however long, who picks and chooses whenever he wants to run. He's he just how he stayed with United for so long is beyond me. He's injury prone. He's, he doesn't care. It's like Pogba doesn't really care. And to see someone so young who who loves United as a kid wants to play for the badge, he, he's he's taking a lot on on his shoulders, and I think he's taking it in his stride, but. We can't talk too early. Obviously, we'll see. he's only played twenty minutes, and I hope he does. Yeah, but yeah, we'll I mean, see. we had right Declan Rice with a ninety-six minute goal, and then oh, we tried. Go- yeah, had to be, didn't it? Had to be. It it's like the be. stars were, were aligned for that to happen. For new yeah. signing Arsenal midfielder, hundred and something million pound, same similar price tag to Casado, but Casado's not doing great. So Declan Rice step one up and take the stage, and that's exactly yeah. what he did. Yeah. And then obviously in the last minute, United for some reason had a. Free kick and just put it out wide. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it, 
we went for it and we ended up with fucking Evans and Maguire as our centre backs. I thought we'd what jump fact. back about seven years or that something. Is a throwback. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. But, but yeah, yeah no, I, we had to say well done to Arsenal. They did what they needed to do. They got the points to the Emirates. Do I think they were the better team? Difficult yeah, to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but we move and, and now we've got we've got Brighton next. So yeah. But yeah, looking before we round up the episode today, we've got Stuff. Final transfers. I mean, we're going to try and fly through these. Obviously, just give quick opinions. So, I mean, the first yep. one, uh, just of course it's a randomly. Of course, it's a Man United <laughs> player. Why won't it be? But uh, Amrabat. Amrabat, yeah. So big, Amrabat. big signing for United personally. It's mm-hmm. someone who's got legs next to Casemiro. Frees up Casemiro's role a bit more. Mm-hmm. But it's just that legs in the middle. It's yeah. Casemiro's so isolated on his own when you've got Mount and Fernandez or even Ericsson, someone who he should not be playing 90 minutes of football. So to replace him with someone like Amrabat, I mean, obviously everyone talks about that World Cup clip against him and Mbappe. Yeah. Where he darts half the pitch, stands side by side and makes a world-class tackle on him. But apparently stats for the past four years has been the same in Syria, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like the highest percentage in tackles, recoveries and all that stuff. So I'm hoping he can just transfer that and bring he needs something to back spine. to United. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spine, which we which we need, and now we've got, you know, Martinez, Amrabat, Hoyland yeah. straight through the middle. So you know we're, we're adding to that. Um, moving on to another uh, signing that was made. So this is a youth player that I it was a bit of a weird one when I saw him go to Sheffield United, but oh my god, did he have a a world class performance? And when I watched that game, I thought he was quality. We're talking about Cameron Archer, yeah. who joined obviously um, Sheffield United, uh, fifteen mil, I think it was, because it was a little bit more. It was something. No, it's it was more cheap. than what we sold a Langer for. I know yeah, that. well, it wasn't expensive at all. No, but um, yeah, look, you 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 was what out on loan in the championship the season before when he was at yeah, Villa, as, you have as many uh, performances in the Villa side to prove yourself. I don't think he was a player that they really thought was part of their final plans for the future with Watkins coming through and stuff. Um, and so yeah, good move for him. And I watched watched their game, um, his debut, and, and he scored obviously. And I thought he looked absolutely unbelievable. He's rapid, he's strong. Um, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a future talent. It's exciting for us as England fans as well. Well, surprisingly enough, in the first episode, he was one of my picks for future stars. So <laughs> let's see how he actually <laughs> does get go. on. There you go. Uh, next one, Kai Sado. Uh, we've obviously spoke Ooh, about, we about yeah, we did. in this episode, so we won't talk much about it. I think. When we did at the end of the last episode, I think it was Liverpool who put the bid in, and then we yeah. ended it there because it wasn't much. He's obviously joined Chelsea for 115 million, something. Was yeah, it? I think it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. A ludicrous we, we amount was, of money. We was quite convinced he was going to Liverpool, weren't we? But um... yeah, it's yeah. Chelsea come in, hijack the deal. He's obviously always watched join Chelsea. I just hope it does work out for him because it seems at the minute it's not. But it's like you said, there just doesn't seem to be any fight or passion in that Chelsea team. Don't get me wrong, they do have a few key injuries missing, but it's not like they're lacking players. They've got about 30 man deep of 100 million plus. So, it's, yeah, it's a weird one. But, yeah, I I hope he does bring it back for himself because he he does deserve a good career. So, I'm just hoping he can do that, whether it be at Chelsea or he might might lose a lot of money on him and he moves elsewhere and picks it back up. Absolutely. Um, Moving on to a bit of a weirder one, and and this yeah. one was, I guess, transfer deadline day for us, wasn't it? It was all who yeah. who were we going to get in to replace Luke Shaw, who's injured? Um, obviously, we went with Regulon. Um, 
cast your memories back, United fans. This is a player we were linked with before he moved to Spurs. We were actually close to making this transfer a permanent deal, and then he obviously chose Spurs yeah. over us. Thank God he did, um, because <laughs> he's not that good, is he? Well, he hasn't been in the Spurs shirt anyway. Um, no. Maybe it's different for us. I think I always find it difficult for a player like Regulon or any left back coming in where you know you want to attempt basis because you're not going to be the choice when you that player returns. Yeah, but in Regulon's position, it's a bit different because this guy doesn't play currently for his main team anyway. So no. you'd, you'd argue this is the platform he needs to say, well, hold on a minute, Tottenham. I know you have, you know, he'd want to be part of that success. He'd want to be part of the Tottenham success. He'd want to be part of everything they're doing at the minute. If he can do well enough in the United shirt and against some of the big teams in the Prem, then maybe he's got himself a bit of a of a chance back into that Spurs team. But I mean, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what he offers. Only Sam can tell. Uh, next one, uh, we've already, obviously already spoke about him as well. Cole Palmer. This, this I, was my future prospect. Yeah, my qu- I, I can see why, but I mean, I think I can see why, but I think it's the wrong team to go to. And I, I don't see why it's forty-five point five million. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well. I'd, I'd, that's, I'd, yeah, that's it's... an incredible amount of money for a player who has played a few games for City in cups and the Prem. Don't get me wrong, he won the under-21 Euros, fantastic, yep. but so did Trafford. Trafford went to Burnley <laughs> yeah. for, like, what? Not a lot. So, no. it's it, Cole Palmer is a, a future prospect. He's a wonder kid. He's got the, the world at his feet. We used to have a player who had the world at his feet, and obviously things went wrong with him. So, you know, yep. if there's anything, if he's anything, well, let's hope he's not anything like that. Uh, but you know what I mean. If he's anything from the footballing side of things like that, then, yeah, you know the future's bright. The world, it was, but does he get the playing time at Chelsea? Does he it's, really start over Sterling? It's yeah, it's just one of them. You're joining a team who it's not just Sterling. You've got Sterling, and you've got that Madueka who's playing back up to him, and now you add in Palmer to that. And I'm just like, don't get me wrong, you're struggling to get game time at City, which you would do because obviously mm-hmm. Bernardo Silva is just yeah, you're not going to replace him, but if anything, go to go to a team where you can see yourself getting into that eleven. Yeah. I just don't feel like Chelsea was the right move for him, but he could prove us all wrong. He might fight this, his way into the eleven. This reminds me of a player that came from a similar background from Palmer that made a big money move and has now just moved to Forest for five million. Callum Hudson Odoi. This the, yeah. he did exactly the same thing. Went to Chelsea for a lot. Obviously, was part of the Chelsea system. He was meant to move to Bayern for about 50-something million during the summer transfer window, and that never happened for whatever reason. Yeah, Went away, played in Europe, and now he's literally moved back into the Premier for £5 million to Nottingham Forest. So it's proven this is what can happen to our youth. Sometimes they get the, the you know, giving it all and think that they're the best thing since... They think they've already made that's, it. Yeah. That's it, yeah. They're, they're acting mean. as if they've already made it, and realistically, don't get me wrong, Cole Palmer's part of a City team, he's just won the treble, but you've far from made it. Mm-hmm. If, if if he wants his and when I say made it obviously won the treble he's got that to his name but when I say made it as a footballer I'm on about a 10-15 year career at the best level yeah we're on about so the you've got to look after Rooney yeah like you've, you know proper, you've got to look after yourself yeah and yeah. it's I, I I don't think it's the right move for him hopefully for, for if, me if I was City I don't see what's so wrong with putting him out on loan to a very very good team like in the Serie A or the Eredivisie or the Bundesliga yeah. or Spain, like I'm talking like a top six team where he's a guaranteed starter or at least he's an impact player and then having him back once he develops even more, like I don't 
I guess it's a, it's a strange one. I don't know. Well, what, this, the only reason why I can imagine City would do that is because let's be honest, if, if someone came knocking at Manchester United's door for Anthony Alanga offering fifty million or something like that, we'd probably let them go as well. Yeah. Because it's a lot of money for a player that has is probably hasn't proved a good few yeah. years yeah. for him to get closer to that value again. Yeah. In a normal market. So is there a buyback clause in that, do you know? I don't know, but I mean, interested to know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, all of what we're saying here, and I'm sure some people agree with me, is nothing against Palmer's ability. I think he's world class. Oh, no. He's a player who's fantastic. I just don't think for him as a player, it's the right move. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's literally what we've just said. He's one of them kids who's coming through. He's got the world at his feet. He's got the ability. He's got the potential. But it's, it's make, you've got to be smart when you're a footballer. Like, you've still, you've still got a lot of developing to do. And I, I just can't see him developing at Chelsea unless Sterling gets an injury and he's outperforming Madueka. It's mm-hmm. it's just weird. And the other thing but, is as well, if game yeah. time was the reason he moved, why has he gone to a team with no European football? Yeah, it's, less it's, game time. That's what I mean. You're getting less games, so there's going to be less rotation, and it's so literally going to be dependent if they on the cup, Which let's be honest, Chelsea probably will do or could do yeah. because they're losing to teams they shouldn't be. Then he's playing literally prem games, and then how often in the prem? Especially if Chelsea were in dire position again, where they're you know like ninth, tenth, and they're nowhere near European football again, they need a win. I'm telling yeah. you now, there's no way Pochettino chooses him over Raheem Sterling at Old Trafford no. or at Tottenham. It's just not going to happen. So it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, but I yeah, agree. There you go. I mean, next one, which was a big shock for me, uh, especially this for the team. One, yeah. But yeah, Ansu Fati obviously on a one-year loan deal to Brighton. Um, yeah. A great bit of uh, business by Brighton. Uh, I've read up Deserby apparently had quite a lot to play in that. I mm. don't know how or what he said. But yeah, I mean, Fatty feels like he's not hes not really done what he's supposed to. I know he's only young, but he's not really done what he's supposed to yet at Barcelona. So whether this is a move to try and give him that starting 11 playing time, see what he this can is, do this is, this is one of the this most is competitive exactly leagues. what City should have done with Palmer. This yeah. is exactly what I was talking about. You've got a player that's got the world at his feet. This is a young player of the year award as well, finalist, like yeah. Ansu Fati. He is a um, player's player award winner at Barcelona as well. So, you know, he's this this guy is a wonder kid. That's what we call him, he's a wonder kid. He, yeah. he will grow into being an amazing player for Barcelona. So, okay, he doesn't necessarily fit into our system in the minute and maybe he's not where we want him to be. Well, then let's loan him out to a top six or top ten team in a big league right yeah. and I'll have him so you know this is exactly what, what City should have done with Palmer and I think it's great business from Barcelona I'm pretty sure as well there's quite a fair split on the wage salaries as well so I don't think yeah. Barcelona are out of pocket plus they're financially in the, the shit as it is anyway so getting someone yeah. like Fatty off your books for a year isn't bad either so it's, it's a big help Yeah, it's a, it's a massive help and I think he'll come back from and I think he's got in my eyes he's going to get more of a challenge playing for Brighton in the Prem than he would Starting every game, you know, in, in, the, the, in the BBVA yeah. for for Barcelona. So, I think that I think if he does if he does well, I don't think the deal will become permanent. Just because I don't think no. Barcelona are likely to lose a player of his caliber, I don't think they would, unless yeah. there was unrealistic money that come in for him I from mean, Brighton. Yeah, if he but shows his potential, think, yeah, there's no there's no reason why Barcelona won't have him back. They don't. They didn't need him because they had Matoma. But we just spoke, didn't we, about yeah. being in Europe? This this player is is also European proven. He's played yeah. in the Champions League. He's played in some of the biggest fixtures, the, the El Clasico. That you know, he, 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 this is another depth player that when you go to those European nights as Brighton, 
in, in a new area, you can bring on a player that knows exactly what it's like to travel abroad to Europe and knows exactly what it's like to take part in the big champ, you know, the big European football lights. So, yeah, yeah I think absolutely. it's great business. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great bit of uh, business, like I said by Brian. I'm excited to see him and what he can bring to the Premier. Well, obviously, his first up. games against us. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully it's not a very good debut. <laughs> yeah, I hope he has well, a, I hope he has an absolutely awful debut and then has was, a good season until we play him again. Part of the Barcelona team we beat last season was he playing? I don't think he was playing. No, no, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. I might be wrong, but I don't think he was. That's the case. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Next one. All right. Mateus Nunes, big yeah. move to City. Ridiculous. Um, we saw the calibre of this player when he played us game week one. So, yeah. you know, it, very, very good player. I think you're in a difficult spot with your Wolves because you've seen Ruben Nevers go. You've seen now Mateus Nunes go. You're in a position where it's hard to convince your players that it's worth staying for. Staying, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. You know, and these players have got to think, and they will have thought like the fans, like we thought, you know, oh, maybe they're going down this season. Maybe it's Wolves last season. The Prem. These have got to think about their future. There is a massive salary cut that happens to players. For anybody that doesn't know, when you go down into the championship, in most people's yeah. contracts, relegation, you can lose up to up to almost 60% of their salary can be deducted when being relegated. Yeah. And if someone came to you at work and said you're going to lose 60% of your salary or you can go to another job that pays more, what would you do? So it's, it's it, yeah, you know, these are people at the end of the day as much as the players. Plus, I don't think there's any players in the world that when City knock at your door, you wouldn't go. So I think it's a fantastic move for them. Because you've got to remember, Kevin De Bruyne is still injured. So yeah, this is a this is a big like I'm going to be similar to the Bruyne creation pace through midfield. I think he's a quality signing and a, a player that City will definitely City fans will definitely um, agree with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously we've got uh, Ryan Gravenberch as well. Just one second, Sorry, pause this. <laughs> we've got an appearance from Mila. We've got an appearance from Mila. Yeah, um, we've got Ryan Gravenberch, which going in Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, the amount they paid again, 30 million, I think it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we uh, Ryan Gravenberch, I think he was 35 million or something. Which, yeah, right for a player of that calibre, uh, statistically, I think United, obviously, when we was looking at Amrabat, it was between him, Amrabat, and someone else. Was it Heiberg or something? Might have been brought up. The, yeah, they brought up the stats, and Gravenberch had everyone else being in all his stats for a kid that age to only be 34 million i mean obviously Bayern had a reason to get him off his books i don't know why mm-hmm. i mean obviously we, we know they have the core two in kimmich and yeah well they're going they're name? going through a bit of a i'd say a bit of a shake-up aren't they the midfield because yeah. we got some bits of on loan last year yeah and then he's now he's gone to Dortmund. yeah and then gravenberch has now gone to liverpool so but these aren't old players it's 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 not like they're getting rid of. It's not like you know, like you'd expect, like if Real Madrid were to turn around and say, "Oh, well, Cruz and Modric have moved on." You'd go, "Okay, well, fair enough." You know, they're quite towards the end of their careers. We probably have to look at replacing them. But these yeah. these these aren't old players. So for whatever reason, at Bayern, um, unfortunately, Gravenberch and Sabitzer couldn't make the cut. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, this further proves the talent that Bayern have really as well, doesn't it? Yeah, like I said, I think it's a good move for Gravenberch, especially. We know he's going to get starting eleven football because Liverpool don't really have anyone in that mm. CDM slash box-to-box role. It's, he slots in nicely next to Spozlai and McAllister, and I think that he will be the backbone spine of that midfield, and it will run for him. I'm excited to see him. Um, I, I just, yeah, like I said, I think Bayern just have talent to waste and just release yeah. anyone who they want. They don't really care. Who players on, yeah. Um, 
touching upon a new new yeah, another new move, which was <laughs> Brennan Johnson. I think there'll be words out there. But yeah, Brennan Brennan Johnson obviously joining Tottenham Hotspur. I think that was around 44, 45 million, so it's quite a lot of money as well. Yeah. But this is this is the thing, same price as Cole Palmer. Um, yeah, how much more proven is Brennan Johnson than Cole Palmer when it comes to that area? But I won't go into detail about that, but this this is a weird one for me because Tottenham recently just made Kulisevsky permanent, didn't they? They had him on loan, yeah. made him the permanent, and now they're literally, yeah. you know, it's his position. Um, Brennan Johnson, he's one of those players that he's exciting to watch. He's got a lot of talent. I think he's a very, I think he is a good player. Yeah. He's been part of the Nottingham Forest side, so it's hard to say what his capabilities really are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a lot of money, and I think there isn't there is a slight risk element for Tottenham here with Brennan Johnson. I, and and will he will he be the player they want him to be? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I said it in the first episode. Um, I, I'm a, I'm not a big fan of Johnson, mm. to be honest with you. He's don't get me wrong, he's still young. He has got a lot of potential there, but to me, he's just a player with pace. He's he, he doesn't look like he has any end product to him. He just run about yeah. Anthony or Brennan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> But Brandon yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's not. It's I, I want a fan of him in the first episode, and believe it or not, it's three four weeks later, I'm still not a fan of him. So, like you said, it's a big risk for Tottenham. I I, I don't really see the price tag where it's come from. I, mm-hmm. I, it's a big, it's a big positive for Forest in my eyes, especially when you're coming off yeah, the back lot, of beating Chelsea one 0 and you've got a Langer banger scoring. Langer banger. Yeah, Billy <laughs> Johnson. And then, last but not least, the last person I'm going to speak about is Longley. Clement to... Longley. Yeah, he's coming in to replace Tyrone Mings, who picked up, obviously, a very serious injury in the first game week, I think it was. Yeah. I think he'll be out for majority, if not all season. Yeah. So, someone Villa, uh, Villa needed. I think, I think you've done... brought in experience here. Yeah, you... experience. He's, don't get me wrong, he's not a, he's not a world-class centre-back by all means. But he's someone who you know is going to be solid, who you can rely on, yeah. and he has competed across Europe's big and he's talents, a champions. Well, yeah. Did he really? <laughs> did he really medal. start? Did he really start? No. <laughs> but yeah, no. You're bringing someone with experience to a team like Villa. Now they've got a back line of obviously him and uh, Paul Torres, which yeah. I'm interested to see how link up. Well, it's two two BVVA centre backs, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, been brought in. I mean. Arguably not the most physical league, and never really has been portrayed as the most physical league of BBVA. No. So we'll see how they do in the Prem. But you know, Longley's part of a Barcelona side that's been featured in many El Clasicos, many kind of big fixtures in European nights. So I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a decent sign. I think when you look at the options they probably had to choose from, Longley's probably one of the better ones. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's, it was coming towards transfer deadline. I think. Uh, it's there's not many options out there because they don't want a permanent replacement because they seem to really like Mings. I don't know why. I don't think he's that good. Not a big fan yeah. of him, but Villa must see something in him. Tatarin Maguire in disguise. <laughs> Just left footed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's the roundup of obviously the first month of football. Now Premier League's back. Unfortunately we're going back to an international break for some yeah. stupid reason. Uh, so qualifiers, the, uh, some, some yeah, we've got qualifier against Ukraine, and then for some reason we play Scotland in a friendly. It's not even like a game. Apparently, it's like a celebratory 150 years or something since the first mm. game. Something stupid, but something I won't be paying attention to. I won't be watching. I'm not really. Yeah, <laughs> there's no yeah. no need to. But yeah, the, obviously we've not like we said at the start. We will start getting these podcasts out more frequently now. We've had a lot of mm-hmm. shit go on 
between us uh, both the past few weeks. I did actually record a vid, uh, an episode with one of our mates, Brad, who is a Spurs fan before the Spurs game. But that was, I mean, everyone's going to say it's that. If I'm not in it, we ain't getting any views. So just <laughs> no, it's, yeah, moving <laughs> happened and we just didn't have time to upload. And then by the time I could have uploaded it, the Tottenham, all the games have already been played. So we're speaking about games that have already been played and stuff. So it just didn't make sense to do that. But yeah, we'll start getting stuff out more regular. Thank you very much for watching. We appreciate it. Obviously, comment anything down below on any discussions and what you want to see us, any topics you want to speak about as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for watching. See you later. Peace.